Hello, Marvelites! I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink! And you are so lucky because you're listening to a This Week in Marvel bonus episode for Marvel's Avengers War Table. Lorraine, what is the War Table? The War Table is what we're calling an amazing compilation of videos and trailers telling fans all about the new game, Marvel's Avengers, direct from the source, right from the tap, pure unconcentrated or definitely concentrated. Either way, super fresh. Super concentrated. It is is just 100% juice. It's very exciting. You can make sure to watch the Marvel's Avengers War Table at all the Player Avengers social media channels, YouTube, and of course, Marvel's YouTube and social media channels. And right now, we are going to discuss Marvel's Avengers War Table and, and a lot about the game with Scott Amos, Crystal Dynamics Head of Studio. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Nice to see you guys. It's our absolute pleasure. And the war table has just happened. Congratulations, first and foremost. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a long time coming to get all of that put together. And just we've been so excited to share this much stuff with people. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal for us. So thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a Marvel podcast where we talk about all kinds of stuff. So we have some video game fans and some video game novices. So I would love it if you could tell us what you do as head of studio at Crystal Dynamics. Like, what does that mean and, and your place in Marvel's Avengers? Sure. So for head of studio, the, the privilege that I get is to work with some of the best and the best in the industry. And so we have multiple studios. We have our studio based here in California. And we also have a studio in uh, Bellevue, Washington as well. So at the end of the day, myself, when we have a co-head of studio, Ron, the two of us are responsible for everything that we do at Crystal. Our job is to set the vision, is to be able to say as an organization, how do we fit into the overall Square Enix structure? Because we work, you know, obviously for Square Enix. But as the development groups, our job is to say, here's how we want to run the studio. Here's how we want to set up the organization. And then here are the projects that we want to take on and the things we want to do inside of those projects. So it's really sizing and shaping that kind of vision. And then anything we can do to get out of the way. Like our job is both to empower our teams because we have experts who are so much better at any of this than we are. That's their job to be expert designers or engineers and audio. And we want to do whatever we can to facilitate and provide them the opportunities to go forward and make great, cool stuff. But we get the fun job as well of saying, hey, we get to go with the Marvel guys and collaborate and say, how do we pull this together? How do we actually come up with a cool idea that is a kind of fresh take on such a familiar territory of 80 years of Marvel history that has changed and evolved and certainly these last 10 years have been great as saying, hey, how do we bring millions of people who may not even know what a Hulk was 10 years ago now into that audience? And then originally with us sitting down with these guys and saying, what's the story we can tell? What's that new perspective? And that literally was just the foundational conversation that we then started folding in our creative directors and then our tech directors and designers. But it is at the beginning saying, here's what we want to accomplish as a studio and as a team. Here's what we want to do as just certainly from a business side, but also as fans, because we got into this business because we love making games. We love telling stories. And so it's our job to say, how do we provide the best structure possible for our teams to do that? Well, it's... You say this thing about being fans, and that was my experience of watching this. I was having like such a fangirl moment because there are so many great love letters to Marvel's very long, very storied history. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious, you know, obviously for anyone who doesn't know the story, please fill them in. But also, how did you come to this story with so many great characters? 
Wow, that's that. That is. I will do my best to truncate the answer because <laughs> there's a lot of there's years of history in that in that one answer. So I, I will put it this way: when we first started this years ago with Marvel and said, "Well, how do we do that? How do we take something and actually do a fresh take on this familiar set of you know heroes and still make it feel authentic?" And Marvel's genius at that. They know their fans better than anybody, right? They've done a great job of moving people from comics into animated series, into TV shows, into the movies, and into the games for sure, and be able to say, great, let's start with something that gives us a perspective in Kamala Khan. And that's one of the things that we showed people, you know, kind of last year, New York Comic Con time period, saying this is that point of view character for us. We're Kamala Khan, Pakistani-American, who's at the Avengers moment, this A-Day at the beginning of the game, when things go terribly wrong. Where the new Terrigen reactor explodes for an unknown reason, it devastates San Francisco, and it infects all these people with this Terrigen mist that triggers these genes that become inhumans. And so Kamala now has these new powers, and just at that same moment, the advanced idea mechanics or AIM, those are part of the team that was helping make this Terrigen reactor. And they're like, wow, superheroes are dangerous. We should look at science as a solution. Can science save the world? And so it sets up this natural friction where you have science over superpowers. And now you start getting this, well, Kamala has a great perspective, point of view character that she is, that is familiar to us as players. She loves superheroes. She's a very super fan of the Avengers themselves. She writes fan fiction inside the game. She even starts wearing a Captain Marvel shirt in the first scene that we see her in the game. Like she is a fan and that really synchronizes her with our players who we think we're gonna show up as Avengers fans who want to talk about becoming an Avenger. Like Kamala, everybody wants to find a way to fit into this world. And so our story starts there with somebody who's on this journey of who am I? Who am I becoming? How do I fit into this world? Who am I a fan of superheroes? And I know my superheroes are innocent, that they're blamed for this tragedy, but really, was it their fault? Something else is behind this. And so that mystery is really someplace that synchronizes quickly with the players at the beginning and now leads her on this action adventure of reassembling the Avengers who've been outlawed, who've been disbanded, who've been blamed for this tragedy, and piece by piece, finding Bruce Banner and actually getting to say, okay, now let's go find Tony Stark and how can he help us prove the innocence and get us back together because there's something wrong. AIM may have started out with a noble effort of clean energy and better technology and science to save the world, but their purpose has gotten corrupted. And so five years after that A-Day incident, when she starts her journey, now you start having this interwoven path of, again, science versus superheroes and saving the Avengers and all of that culminates into this great story that's an origin tale, an original Avengers story that takes and pays homage to so much from that 80 years of history. And you'll see it. You saw it probably in the footage where there's a scene where something might be exploding right behind Iron Man as he's walking away from it. We've probably seen a scene like that somewhere else before. You'll see later on when Thor uses his hammer in certain ways, like, that's cool. I've seen that somewhere else before. Could have been from a certain comic. So for us, it literally is, as you said so elegantly, the love letter to the fans of there are panels you could pull out of comics from the past. There are scenes you could pull from other games, movies, and, sh and shows and say, this is all very familiar, but it's now been put through a custom crystal lens and has a fresh take on all of that. Yeah, I want to dig into some of those references a little bit. You know, I was thinking as you're talking and as now the War Table is released, people are going to be freaking out and going through. I, I literally had to like slow down and like skim back and forth and different things and find little bits and pieces. And you talk about Kamala's journey. The War Table even shows a lot more of like story with Thor and Hulk and Tony than I was expecting and I was even hoping. And I got so excited to see particularly like those Thor bits and like where he's been and what he's going on with him. It's it was real fun. 
Yeah. That, well, thank you for noticing those. The, those are important details. We clearly laid in there, particularly for folks like fans who said, wait, is there going to be enough of story that I get to see what Hawk's been up to or what? That's purposely done that as you go on this tale, what is that origin tale for Kamala, it gets to the point of where you now have Hulk as an example, and that war table in-game opens up, you'll see icons on there that say, hey, here's the next story mission, which is the Avengers, the blue kind of A logo of like, that's the next mission. If you want to go down the campaign, you follow those hero missions. Those are the, the main campaign. But the war zones that open up as well will have certain icons on them that show you different types of missions, or explicitly, that's a Hulk symbol. What does that mean? That must be something relevant to Hulk's story. And if you go down that particular chain and follow those, you'll get some history of what's happened in the last five years. Why has Hulk looked different? And has he been stuck in the state for a while? And you start uncovering what happened and led to the events from the five years ago to this moment with Hulk and then beyond that. And then you'll have similar kind of iconic hero chains along the path that you can go and explore at your leisure as they open up during the campaign or after the campaign when you have more and more stuff to do on the war table after that. So for us... There's just this the scope of content is, yep, I can go straight through my campaign, learn how it works, and then I can get back to that ending of saying, wow, there's so much world out there that we want to explore. I mean, that's the thing that blows my mind about all of this is it seems like everything is so sort of customizable where everybody gets to have a different experience. You know, you can follow different storylines. You can follow the kind of gameplay that you want to play, it seems. How did you just begin to sort of build out all of those journeys. Yeah, that's so, the, we can approach it at a hero level, I would say first. So certainly that main story thread for us, the campaign, as we call it, this, this reassembling that Kamala is the point of view character on, that is just the beginning. That is that intent of set up the world stakes, identify who AIM is, help us kind of introduce the world to MODOK and how it evolves from George Tarleton, who was at A-Day, and he and Kamala were both there. Kamala as a kid, George is one of the scientists making the Terrigen reactor work, and they were both affected differently from that event, where George turned into the science over superheroes and started evolving that way, and Kamala turned into an inhuman. And so when you start there, that's a great story, but when you get to the hero side, and you have a Black Widow and a Thor and a, an Iron Man, one of the things that our combat director, Vince Napoli, started with is he said, look, I needed to feel like each of these heroes could be their own entire game, that you have enough depth for each hero, for their skill trees, for the gear that they get, for the gear they can then boost and actually customize, for the attributes they can actually even go further. You can pick up the controller and just play this right now and say, oh, this is great. I can button mash and feel like I'm a heroic Thor beating people up. But if you want to go down those layers of depth, we have that in there so you can really fine tune your Thor to look the way he wants to look with all the costumes inspired by the 80 years of history as well as original designs, or play the way you want to play for doing the skills, the gear, certain artifacts you can find, the attributes that you can boost. So for us, there's just enough control and flexibility that you can really invest as much as you want to go down that path. And while you have a tree, a narrative trunk, if you will, for the campaign, all of those side stories, and then beyond that, as you get past the campaign and now you have your team reassembled, you still have all of the stuff in the war zones that you can go and explore and all these other stories of what else was AIM up to. Like, it doesn't end at the end of the campaign. That is just the beginning for us of saying, wait, there's other things they're researching that are really scary in this deep underwater sea base somewhere over here, or there's some crazy technology that they're experimenting with that could have another threat to the world. And don't forget, we then add new heroes and new villains and new regions and new stories at no additional cost as post-launch content for quite a long time past that. So there's this, this epicness of these stories 
are what bring people to it, right? You want to come back and have your Thor. What am I doing tonight with my friends? What character are you playing? Let's go on this adventure together. Go beat up an aim hive and discover what nasty secrets they had down in there. And for us, that's, that's the, the real meat of this is to have players get through a great campaign, but then also have these expanding stories they can always come back to. Man, that just got me so hyped. That's so cool. That was so good. <laughs> Dude, it's been years. We've been waiting to share all of this with people for oh, years. I know. I'm so excited to talk about it. Uh, so you mentioned Modok, and I, I must tell you, Modok is my favorite Marvel character. What? What? Wow. It's very serious. You should see this man's desk. My Zoom background is, as you can see. Oh, look at you. Uh, oh, very nice. Elvis Modok's from, from Next Wave. And uh, <laughs> it, it's so good. And even our producer, Persia, she was watching the war table and she texted me. She's like, oh, my God, is that Modoc? Oh, my God, it's Modoc. She's freaking out, too, because you can't help but love this guy. And, and you know, for me, it's like someone like George Charlton, Modoc, he's recognizable and he's familiar to Marvel fans. But what I like that we've seen so far is that he feels different and unique in his powers, his motivations to your game universe. So how did you guys at Crystal Dynamics and the team at Marvel Games, how do you collaborate to reach these points for a character like Moda? Wow, that's a great question. So Sean Sky is our creative director and Sean works very closely with Bill Roseman, right, head of creative for Marvel Games. And Bill is that walking encyclopedia of knowledge from 27, 28, you know, but he's been there forever. And so he knows everything. And so when we're like, we need some secret names for some black sites that AIM would have hidden. He's like, well, here's 15 of them from this comic. And that. And so when we started talking about MODOK, we very carefully said, look, we want to make this amazing. We want to be able to have this kind of origin tale for MODOK that's unique of how he transforms and how it evolves across the beginning moment of, well, are they collaborating? Tony Stark and George Tarleton. And then that literally explodes like the Terrigen Reactor does and now starts changing their pathways and their destinies to getting to what MODOK and who MODOK is at the end and why MODOK is there. That's why we love the the trailer we just showcased of this guy is committed. Like this is somebody who believes they're doing the absolute right thing of saying superheroes are dangerous. This is a world that needs to be protected. And I think that makes some of the best villains is that mentality of they believe they're righteous in their actions, that they're not mustache twirling and like, I just want to take over the world. Like, no, he's like, no, this has to stop because this is hurting humanity if we don't stop this. And I think that core began from a very sincere place that we want villains who feel credible and believable and have a driven purpose because I think they make the most interesting characters. They're not out just for destruction's sake. They're out for a very solid purpose that happens to be at conflict with our point of view character of Kamala, who's just becoming a superpowered person through being an inhuman, who believes in superheroes and that they're righteous and that they're doing things. So you set up this natural conflict for us of having Modoc so committed almost overcommitted to this belief of science over superheroes versus Kamala, who's overcommitted to the idea that superheroes can save the world. And so that sets up this beautiful conflict. And from the beginning, Sean working with uh, Bill and then all the writing team that we have inside of Crystal and just being able to craft the story that helps tell the story of what we want, that synchronized player feeling like, I know I'm right, I want to become a hero. But then you're like, you know, it's not that bad of an idea to have, you know, limitless clean energy and free iPhones and free free technologies and internet rather and free you know Wi-Fi and like AIM starts there and then corrupts its purpose as George himself becomes corrupted into Modoc. And so I think that that is that great conflict for us of saying an amazing villain that hasn't had really that big blockbuster reveal in you know the comics world for sure, but not anywhere else really in the same size with Kamala having two pillars like that, where we can take that point of view from Kamala and that point of view from MODOK, blend them together and say, this is definitely something fresh. 
Ugh, and I love also, you know, what AIM does to open up the sort of villain side of the universe as well, because, you know, it's not like I didn't notice some adaptoids and things in there. I oh, mean, it yeah. really, it opens up such a cool world of mech and other characters. Was that part of the appeal of AIM? Oh my God, absolutely. You needed something that we'd consider an Avengers level threat, right? The Avengers are super powerful. And the idea of having all of those abilities together, they can take on threats as a team that they couldn't take on individually. So for us, we needed something that had that, that threat level that could actually say it can also adapt. AIM can adapt and evolve and the adaptoids come out of that, as you know, and be able to say these things can actually steal or harvest powers and actually be infused with new powers and they can evolve and become more and more dangerous. And you will see there's a few references even in the, the Thor mission, the once an Avenger mission in the war table people just saw, where the shield comes around one of the mechs on the helicarrier and you actually can hear Tarleton talking to Tony that it's technology they stole from Stark. So the idea that it can even take our hero's powers, in that case Stark's technology, and applying that to now make these mechs that similarly have kind of, you know, this power cell right in the middle of their chest and they have certain shield technology, they have certain lasers and weapons, like, wow, this is using our own hero's stuff against them. That's a cool thread for us because that means AIM at the core are these really smart scientists who have technology, you know, like they have their superpower inhibitor nanites, like they actually have spin technology that some of their soldiers will use. And you'll see these things come out and suddenly drain your hero's heroics in the middle of combat. And it sucks as a player. You're like, oh my God, these guys, what the hell, man? Like I just fought to get my heroics built up and then I lose them because some scientist is using a piece of technology on me. And for us, that's the fun, that having that, that science-based enemy means that they can really adapt and explore very, very cool technologies and powers and even things that are... I will say off of the main campaign, but are in the world as other story threads. When you start finding these secret bases and saying, what is AIM really up to? That's a whole different technology, like a fish hook we're throwing into the story waters there that will pay off in some you know, future content that will release at no additional cost down the road. But it's still that starts that point of like, wow, AIM is in it to win it as well, but in a completely different way. Yeah. I love the the like the breadth of this world because yes, there's the little bits and pieces that you're even talking about here. But shout out to the comics that we've been publishing that leading up to the story. You know, I think we've seen the Lethal Legion and Loki and Batroc and Monica Rappuccini. Like the world is so full. We see I, I look like Abomination in the War Table. It's just like there's so much here. And yeah, we've got the origin stories for Kamala and for Modok, but it's like we're just like diving in. And I think that's so refreshing and exciting to just jump into a full Marvel universe. I certainly agree. I mean, certainly you even saw it in the War Table footage. You saw Phil Sheldon reporting. And the idea of who's Phil Sheldon? Well, if you oh, roll that, back oh. to... The, exactly. So go oh back to... Oh, my God. See? I, I was like, I know see? who this is. <laughs> so, so if you go back to... Us. Exactly. You go back to Alex Ross and Busick's series of Marvels, like, you start to see, yeah. like, oh, wait. Flip this damn table. Phil Sheldon was there during the reporting and saying, oh, yeah, like, are these superheroes, are these dangerous? Or so, so that is one of our you know, call outs. Like we threw them in there, particularly like, no, this is really deep. Like this is a deep cut going back to the point of like this story and this series happened. And then how do we evolve that into our own? Well, so, yeah, you know, we've got it. We've got that littered throughout the game. So people will find things like you stare at license plates on the Golden Gate Bridge level. You're like, hey, that license plate means something like there's stuff like that hidden throughout this game. Well, and, you know, watching War Table, I think the first one that, like, hit me really super hard was the little D. Blake yes. name tag that you see on yeah. Thor. And I was like, oh, they're paying attention. Oh, yeah. Like, the detail is so serious. And there are so many just, like, very obscure characters called out oh, yeah. as well. So I hate myself right now because I didn't catch, <laughs> I didn't catch Phil Sheldon. 
Oh, I don't. I don't mean to hate you. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's, it's like it's it's fine. This is Ryan's gonna have to go back and like rework his whole nerd cred now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's there now. You can go back and watch that, knowing knowing the core origin of like that. I know who that person is and how this got here. So for us, that's the fun of this game is that it doesn't take the game of the movie or of the show or of the comics. It's eighty years of all of this stuff and going back and saying, where are the pieces that just fit in brilliantly? When we used to have, you know, everybody on site, Bill Roseman would come to our studio with comic books, this arms full of them with post-it notes on various panels, like this would be cool. And what about this outfit? And they see that, and it's all just inspiration. It's a matter of saying to the team, here's some cool ideas that could fit within your structure. And that's one of the fun things for us is that authenticity, that genuineness that comes from that source material. It's literally our privilege to be able to take that and say, how do we pay that off and give players that type of excitement where they can say, I know where this is from and what this means. Let's talk a little bit about the Inhumans, because in, in your world, it's, it looks like folks whose powers activated after the events of Ende. And so for you and the team, how much fun is it to have the ability to work with these characters and putting these moments and these little things that are just like, it seems like, you know, there's tons of stories that we haven't even seen yet. And like, I, I think of the, the one Inhuman character that's in the War Table video who multiplies there's one with yep. fire powers like that must be so much fun to play with well it's it's a great opportunity to just delve into some really amazing and extreme powers and as you pointed out you see some of these characters like there's the one guy trapped in one of the cells and he's clearly blasting some kind of what looks like cryo or ice particles well the idea that that cryo is harvested by aim and then becomes a cryo perk that is on some of the gear that then you can use as well so suddenly you can be having iron man with his lasers or his rockets that actually have cryo infused technology so now you have a blend of abilities that this is the kind of thing we can do a little bit of stolen aim tech a little bit of that fancy kind of shield tech or pim tech or stark and the idea you can blend these things together because all of those powers come from the inhumans and the research that aim is doing it actually all ties together in a narrative sense of why are these adaptoids powered up oh they clearly took power x from this inhuman and are now applying it to their adaptoids and suddenly these adaptoids have these crazy abilities because they're kind of blank slates that can be infused with these various inhuman powers and the way we evolve that as again the science and the technology piece is just extremely fun for players who are paying attention to that depth of like wow, that's a cool power. I wonder if, oh my God, now I got a piece of gear that can use that power so my heroes can actually level up and actually have gamma-infused lasers. And it's like, what? So that's <laughs> the kind of depth that we're talking about of taking and paying very, very clear homage to these things, but also giving AIM that ability to help influence our world. And you said these side stories. I can't wait until we start talking about some of the other things that are way off the campaign that you have to go to Arctic tundras and explore these incredibly vast regions. And as you're going through them, you might be lucky enough to find a hidden cache that actually has a strong box in it that actually has coordinates in it that unlock a completely separate area you've never even seen before. Like that's the kind of stuff you'll be doing either during the campaign if you go off into the war zones or after the campaign you're exploring this massive war table. And that's just that's just on the day one. That's just the stuff that comes <laughs> with the game, let alone everything that gets added in after that. Oh yeah. Something that is like seems very basic but got me so pumped when I was watching some of the footage is just some of the costumes like some of the costume variants yeah. are so cool like when I saw Kamala change into her like blue and white hoodie yep. I was just like my <laughs> face exploded in half just for the simple fact that to have like such a loving connection with a comic book that brings me true joy and then to be able to sort of choose that and pull it into the game to me seems so fulfilling well it sounds like we should put a warning of you know warning costumes may cause a conniption and we don't want that <laughs> that is not that was never the intention by any means but certainly you know from our side 
having someone like Kamala, who is such a true fan, think about it. How many how many things? I mean, you guys, maybe maybe the three of us aren't a fair estimate, but we probably have tons of stuff that has Avengers logos or characters or costumes or a green shirt that might look a little like one of our green heroes in our in our closet. So in a real world, we do this stuff. The idea that Kamala is like that in the game and that she has costumes that are celebrating her favorite heroes and wearing a t-shirt that might have a Black Widow logo on it or other outfits that she has that really do show her fandom inside the game world, again, connects very well to our overall players. And then going beyond that, I think we showed maybe 10, it's five to 10 suits of you know, Iron Man inside the War Table footage. If you look at each of them, you start saying that's from Original Sin or that is from this other comic. I think we even explained a couple of them. But when you get into it, this is an absolute calculated mentality of saying there's some stuff that we just think is too good to pass up from that 80 years of history and then there's things that you'll see in the game you know the last frame where you see them this very cool tech and you have you know widow and you have iron man understanding them and they look all geared up that's costumes that are originally designed just for our game that are one of those things you can only earn by playing through the campaign and so we have that blend of historical like my favorite reference to this this or this as well as these original designs that i think i think people are just gonna go nuts for them yeah and in those those character screens, I just love the small touches of using comic art. It looked like Joe Matarera, uh Hulk art at one point, and like it's the simple things that make me really happy. And I thank you for that. Oh, it's our pleasure. I hope you guys get to talk to our art director, Bren Adams. Bren and his team have done a masterful job, and just the amount of concept art yeah, that we would love at some point we must show the world. But they've gone through so many variations and iterations of outfits and designs from very much core original designs, even for some of you know, the A and B keepers and original, all the way to custom designs and the ones we actually have in game, the new original ones. But just the amount of research, it's been truly, you said a love letter to the fans, it's been a labor of love for us to be able to go through all this stuff because we started as fans way before we even started this game. And the idea of people just flocked to us like, no, I want to be part of this. This is special. And be able to put my my personal you know touches into this world and be part of that Marvel DNA has been imperative for us. So it's, it's uh, awesome when people notice. But something that I think is really cool, you know, I think a lot of people like to play video games differently. Some people like to melee, some people like a ranged weapon, some people want to do their monk style fighting, sure. you know, whatever it might be. But I love that there seems that there will be sort of an option to whether you want to play sort of up close and personal and like just be in the fray or whether you want to like keep your character very far away so that you can keep up your health points. <laughs> um, yes, you're, you're actually absolutely right. And it's not even that you have to choose a different character to play a different way. They all have their own unique feelings to be, you know, Thor will be Thor and Black Widow will be Black Widow. But uh, my Warzone director, Phil Therian, who's the one responsible for the Warzones and co-op and how they all can be played, Phil loves the Hulk, just loves it. And he plays as the Hulk all the time, but he plays Hulk as a ranged character. You wouldn't think that, right? You think of Hulk as a natural melee. You've seen all the footage where you get in there and you can grab bad guys, you can use them as bludgeons, you can smash them together, and he's just devastating up close. But in Phil's case, because of the gear system and the skill system, he's actually tuned him to the point where he's kind of like a giant green catapult who can stay outside <laughs> of the fight and actually can pick up these huge cosmic-infused boulders and hurl them to the middle of the combat. And you will see them hit the ground and roll and just wipe out like a bowling ball a handful of enemies or explode with certain types of effects. We were talking about some of the special powers that AIM has been harvesting and how you can infuse your gear with some of that. So it's it's a complete, like, what? Why? I wouldn't think of Hulk ever as being a ranged guy, but you can tune and play that character that way and similarly with widow with black widow you think of you know guns and gear and gadgets but black widow particularly with her cloaking tech she can get in 
deep into the middle of a fray in the fracas and you have all these things to deal with and suddenly you just start seeing enemies being taken down left and right like oh my god as a co-op player you're watching one of your buddies just whip these people around and throw them out of the comedy like yes that's badass and so that's the fun for us is that you can literally invest in these characters and play them and tune them to customize to the style you want and at the end of the day they will still be themselves thor will always be thor he will always be god of thunder he will have lots of lightning and kind of wind control powers but you can use it as i want to get in the middle of a fight and be smacking people around with the hammer or i want to kind of be above all of it hovering outside the combat and controlling kind of like more area effect weapons but you can again tune and customize that to be within your still nature of your hero but your way I love that. Another thing that I love, which is the what I saw in the War Zones, is about co-op. Because yeah, you're gonna have multiplayer co-op for you know up to four players. But for me, it, it gets hard at times to coordinate with friends or coordinate with other people. There's a lot of multiplayer games I don't play, and the fact that I can do a lot of these co-op things with the AI is so incredible for me. Because I want to, I want to experience those stories, those moments, those those elements. And then, am I right? In, in the war table, it mentioned that when you're playing co-op solo, it's pulling from your versions of your other heroes. That's exactly right. So the war zones are designed from the beginning to be team-based because the Avengers is a team. One of those things very early on in our collaboration with Bill and, and the Marvel Games team is like, hey, it's all about the team and the team is the focus and their family. And so for us, we're like, well, then we've got to make sure they always are together. And even when they're separated from the, in the campaign, as Kamala reassembles that team, it opens up more and more options for the larger and larger team. And once you have all of your heroes together, when you go into any of the war zones, you can go in as single player yourself, but you will bring three of your AI companions with you. You can actually choose which of those three you want to bring, and whichever ones you choose are the ones that will absolutely be the ones you've made. So if you have Hulk in his Joe Fixit suit with the fedora, you will see that Hulk show up in the world with you. If you've skilled him up to be, like I talked about, having these giant you know, boulders that are infused with cosmic energy, you will see him using those attacks because that's how you've customized that hero. And so you'll see your version of the Hulk as your companion. So you can have that team, and it really is kind of kind of selfishly like fun to sit back and just see what my companions do like just starting a fray and then walk back and say okay what do they got and to me it's just fun because it's your team of avengers and then you can swap in if you have buddies who jump online you can throw in you know a couple humans but it doesn't have to be one or the other you can mix and match human and ai companions in in the war zones that's awesome that's so fun i'm curious when you play who do you like to play as the most Oh, oh, so you actually mentioned it about how you want to be close combat or melee or you want to be ranged combat and at a distance. And I will, I will answer two different ways. The first answer is it kind of depends on my mood of the day. If I want to beat the crap out of things, I will easily be Hulk and I will jump in there and just train wreck everything because he is just fun to grab guys and just smack them around. It really is more mood to me than it is style of combat in that case. Versus on the high-tech side, looking at Iron Man, I've always been an Iron Man fan. And the idea of looking at Iron Man and saying he's got so many different weapons you can choose. And I've done, I can't, I, I can't even explain how many hours of gameplay I've played and the rest of the team has. Like just thousands of hours we've put into this thing and seen it evolve along the pathway for the years we've been making it. And I found a build, a very specific build for Iron Man that I made, where suddenly I had uh, one of the kind of weapons you can unlock as a laser. Not, not repulsors, those are the default, but actually laser beams that he has that you can use. And the lasers, when you're in sprint flight, are very quick to auto-target around different enemies. And once I powered them up, so they cost less energy, so they can actually fire for a longer rate, they can cause more damage, and then I put pin particles on them, suddenly I will come flying through, strafing run style, and be shrinking enemies with my lasers <laughs> as I go through a combat, and then buddies you know, will come in and just beat the crap out of these tiny 
little enemies because I've shrunk them down so they can take more damage. Like, that's crazy fun. Like, I can't think of something else that's th that does it that way in the narrative sense of this is my Iron Man doing things, shrinking these giant mechs that were fighting from AIM, and now I can see, you know, my friends as Widow or as Hulk or as Thor coming in and beating those those tiny guys up. It's just crazy fun to me. Oh, man. That's... There's so much room for creativity. Seriously. Uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just nonsense. Yeah. I don't know what the hell we were thinking. It's crazy how much is in there. <laughs> uh, shout out to Casey on the Crystal team for, for narrating the piece. Uh, he did a great job. And at the end, he mentions that future war tables, uh, you're going to talk about the first post-launch hero. Um, there's going to be a lot of other details. And in particular, beta access. What can you say about the beta right now? So I will say it uh, it'll come before launch. I think is all I can say right now. <laughs> so the idea. So you, if you if you pre-order, you can get uh, you can get beta access as well. Certainly for us, and I think that's one of the the benefits. You know, with PS4 being able to pre-order and actually have early access to the beta, that's fun because we can get in there. You can be one of those kind of first in to get a sense of all of this. Give us feedback as well. Is one of the things that beta does is that when you're in there and playing it, we get to track all kinds of cool metrics and learn what people love, what they hate, listen to their feedback, and that gives us a chance to have those fans not only looking at our content for like a war table, but actually playing it and getting their hands on it. And like, oh, I don't understand how to get my Iron Man with my pin particles. How do you do that? Like, okay, how do we better educate and inform people? So it is tremendously fun for us to get people on board and quickly because the sooner you're in, the sooner we get feedback, the better we can make the game. Heck yeah. Yeah, and people can pre-order now. Now, yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. They can pre-order it. Uh, I think it's been up there for a couple months now, but they can pre-order today. Uh, you know, or PS4, Xbox, Stadia, and PC. So the pre-orders for PS4, you know, get that early access, which I think is an awesome opportunity for all the for all those players. It's a great it's a great partnership with Sony. Heck yeah! And of course, Marvel's Avengers releases September fourth, twenty twenty, for all the platforms Scott mentioned. You can go to playavengers.com for all kinds of details. See the the big fancy edition. You can get your your pre-orders in. And if somehow. This Week in Marvel listeners, if you have listened to this whole episode, this special edition, and you have not actually watched the Marvel's Avengers War Table yet. Oh my gosh. My I, gosh. I love you. Thank you. But you should go watch the War Table. It's at YouTube.com slash Play Avengers or all the Marvel channels. It is all over the place. Everybody's going to be talking about it. Got to go watch it. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We really appreciate it. Oh. It's so my pleasure. You guys can tell I just have so much joy about what the team has done and how we've been able to craft something that we love as fans and making it for the fans by fans. It's just it's a huge opportunity. We're so grateful that people are paying so much attention to us and really want to dive into this world with us. We can't wait to play with them. Heck yeah. We can't wait to play either. I'm so excited for, for the beta. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. Excellent. Thanks, yeah. Scott. Thank you guys very much. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, and of course, rewatch Marvel's Avengers War Table a bunch of times. I watched it three times, I think. I got really excited and I'm very hyped and I can't wait to play the game myself. Me too. I can't wait. I'm very excited. I'm going to have some good video game playing coming this fall. Yeah. Uh, and that's, of course, September 4th, 2020, when the game releases. Right now, let's wrap this up. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Percy of Berlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to me and only me. Good job, Lorraine. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.